and sorry about Pakistan, dude. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another episode here of Beyond the Cover. I am one of your co-hosts, John Robb, along with my wonderful co-host, Jeff Bears. Jeff, how you doing? Doing great. How goes it? Going good, going good. Last show Excellent. of the year. That's right. This is our last show of the year because we always take December off for the holidays and everything's scrambling around, and we'll be back in January. So check the date, and we'll tweet it out when that's going to happen, probably like first or second week of January. Um so, yeah, and just remember that all of our shows are brought to you by Kingsington Books, so make sure you visit kingsingtonbooks.com for more information on their uh, books and their authors. So very, we have a very special guest tonight, too. Uh, yes, we do. And why is he a special special guest tonight? Well, Jeff, I'm glad you asked that question, <laughs> because the, the issue is not out yet. And this is our best of issue for Suspense Magazine 2018, where we announce all of our awards. We have several different categories, and several books within those categories are the best books of 2018 that we always do. But there's one award, the highest award that we can give as our magazine. Of course, you know, you have the Seamus, and you have the Edgars, blah, whatever. So our magazine can give one book, and it's one award, regardless of category, and it is called the Best Book of the Year, and it's called the Crimson Scribe Award. So it's only one book a year gets this. And last year, um, oh, was it last year? I think last year was Greg Horwitz for Orphan X, or was that two years ago? That was two years ago. Wasn't last year Marsh King? Oh, that's right, yes, Marsh King by... um, um, Marsh King's daughter by um, Dion. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. The Marsh King. That's right. And the Orphan X. But how come I Bob remember Dugoni, these? Bob Dugoni. Shame on you. <laughs> well, Bob Dugoni is the author and the Crimson Scribe Award winner, and the book is called The Extraordinary Life of Sam Hell. Now, not one that you might think until you read it and go, "Oh, it does fit in the genre." So we want to welcome Mr. Dugoni right now to the show. We are pleased to have him on. So, Bob, thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm. I was ecstatic to receive the news. Uh, I'm still ecstatic. I'm posting it all over social media. I'm just really excited. Thank you. Thank you so much. It means a tremendous yeah. amount to me. It means, you know, that that book has such special meaning to me. Jeff Ayers knows, Ayers knows that. Uh, but wow, it was. Uh, it was really just. Uh, it was really just uh, an incredible award, and it, it it meant a heck of a lot to me. I. I, I let my wife know. I tweeted both my kids in college and said, hey, look at your old man. Uh, they were very <laughs> excited as well. So uh, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Well, we want to thank you because it's always an honor and a privilege when you're able to read literature that is at the standard that is just the highest of the quality that you're ever going to get with the millions of books that are printed every single year. So I tell you, it was a struggle. There was factions that were going like, was this really suspense? Should it be in the genre? Are you sure? Your number one fan that said, I will kill you all if this book is not number one, is my wife, Shannon. 
<laughs> and she was like, it's number one? She goes, it's the best book she's read since Rainwater of Sandra Brown. Wow. Um, wow. She said oh, she really age. hopes. She said she really hopes that you're able to do more of these kinds of books because it, she said this is John Irving meets James Lee, James Lee Burke meets Sandra Brown. Wow. So wow. she just wanted me to let crazy. you know that she was uh, that it was just it, and you made her tear up. She said she teared up. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've received some uh some of the most incredible emails uh that I've that I've ever received in my in my 20 years of of publishing. Um I've received emails from individuals who said um I'm suffering from cancer and you restored my faith in God. Uh I've had P I've had priests email me and say thank you for such an honest portrayal of our religion. Um I've had people email me and say I haven't I have have never cried reading a book, and I cried throughout yours. Um, so it's just you know it, it it it's it's funny, John, the way things work sometimes. You know that was a book that I I I wrote in about five and a half weeks, and it took me ten years to finish it because for ten years I never fully could could grasp what it was that the protagonist Sam Hell what he really wants in life, and so I had these these snippets, these vignettes, if you will, but nothing to really hold them together. And then one day I was literally driving down the street and I was heading toward church and I looked up at the steeple and it hit me like a lightning bolt. And I just said to myself, he wants to believe, you know, Sam wants to believe that all his mother's prayers for him, all his mother's novenas, all his mother's sayings that he has extraordinary eyes because he's going to lead an extraordinary life, that it was all true. It was all real. And, and, you know, it just, it just hit me that that's what we all want. You know, that's, that's what we all want. We all want to believe in something, in someone, whatever your faith is, whatever your belief is, you know, we want to believe that there's a, there's a purpose for our lives. There's a reason why we, we go through difficult times, uh, you know, that, that we will come out okay on the other side, that everything's going to be all right. But it's such a hard thing to, to believe in when you're going through it. And once I understood that, once I realized that I, I went home and uh, like a madman, I just, I wrote the forward and then I went through the book and I was able to cut scenes and, and add scenes and, and move things around and, and really tell us, tell a story as opposed to just telling vignettes. So, um, you know, I, 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 I have an idea for another book. Uh, Lake union wants me to do another book. Um, I'm, I'm working on it. Uh, you know, I'm a baseball fan. Uh, it's a baseball book. It's uh it's sort of a, uh, a, uh, field of dreams meets Sandlot, uh, idea. And, uh, and I'm, I'm really putting it together and, you know, baseball to me is one of those things that's timeless. Uh, I think of all the sports, it's the most timeless sport out there. It, it exists, you know, uh, throughout our lives. I remember it as a boy. I remember it as a young man. I remember it now. Uh, I, you know, we were just talking a little bit and I told you, I named my dog after the, after the San Francisco Giants starting pitcher, Madison Bumgarner. So I'm real excited to get, to get started on that project. And, uh, and and see if I can carry it out. Well, we all know the Dodgers suck, Bob. So uh, just want to, you know, make. <laughs> and it's time and... to fucking mute Jeff at this point in the show, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> nice having him on for the year 2018. So. <laughs> no, you know what? You, you have got you have got to give the Dodgers all the credit in the world because they built their they built them their, that team through their farm system, uh, and they you know that that farm system is absolutely loaded. 
And they're going to be good for years to come because they just keep bringing players up. And I think other teams have finally started to realize that the Mariners are realizing it. You know, the Giants are realizing it. You know, the days of, of going out and getting a 35-year-old uh, free agent just aren't aren't there anymore. You got to go. You got to find those those kids that by the time yep. they're 23 years old, they're in the majors, and they're yep. they're playing. You know, they're playing ball. So. Anyway, we can talk more baseball later, but um, that, that I well, hope yeah. will be my next project. Cool. That sounds like an amazing book. I look forward to it. Uh, talk a bit more about uh, Sam Hell for people who are not familiar with it because they should be. And then also I'm hoping you can bring up a little bit about the journey because it is so un- different from what you've done before, and it must have been a struggle to convince your agent and your publisher to publish it. Yeah. So Sam is a young boy born with ocular albinism, which means he has red eyes. And, um, you know, it's, it's sort of like Harry Potter's scar. This is back in the sixties. So he's not able to hide it. He has to learn how to live with it. There were no contact lenses yet. Uh, colored contacts didn't come into vogue until really the late eighties. But, um, you know, so it was one of those things. It's like the scar on his forehead. He, he has to learn to deal with it. And so his mother is extremely religious. She's, she's very, she has a very, very strong faith. I guess I should say she has a very strong faith. And so she basically tells him repeatedly whenever he's bullied at school, he, there's a nun there that is absolutely horrible to him. Um, the, there's kids there that are, that are difficult to him. And uh, she tells him all the time, you have extraordinary eyes because you're going to lead an extraordinary life. And here's this young boy is going through this, you know, really difficult time. And in the midst of all this, a kid shows up, the only black kid in the school named Ernie Cantwell. And then in the sixth grade, a young girl shows up who's really a tomboy. Uh, and there's, there are three misfits who, who bond together because they're misfits and become the best of friends uh, and really lifelong friends. Um, and they, they get through life through the strength of each other. And uh, it's a story of Sam really from, from the moment he's born and, and, and through um, his late years in life, his 40s. And, um, you know, it's just a book that's really resonated with people on a, on a lot of different levels. I think, I think so many, there are so many people out there that either have children that are bullied in school or who were bullied in school. Um, you know, there's just, there, there's just a lot of, there's just a lot of, of that, uh, that, that, and so it's, it's, it's really brought up a lot of memories for people. I got a, I got an email from an Ohio state football player and, uh, excuse my language, but the first words were fuck you. And then he said a grown, uh, a grown starting, uh, linebacker on the Ohio state football team is not supposed to be driving down the street crying and he said, I have your book on tape, and I'm, I was cr- I'm crying as I'm driving down the street uh, because your book hit home for me. I, I grew up with a stutter, and I was bullied all throughout, my, all throughout my years as a youth. So the book has really resonated with a lot of people. And as Jeff mentioned, you know, I've, I've developed a reputation through the Tracy Crosswhite series of writing um, sort of, uh, you know, um, strong mysteries, police procedurals. I guess you would you would call them, but they also have a, a strong character arc to them, which has really resonated with a lot of people. And so when I wrote this book, when I initially wrote it, and I sent it to my agent to get their opinion, they they did not like it. But that was really more my fault than theirs because um, the book really wasn't ready. As I mentioned earlier, it 
it didn't have a it really didn't have a, a strong theme. It was really more uh, uh, vignettes. Um, and so, you know, years later, when I finally got to, to the point where I knew what I needed to do and I knew how how to finish it, um, I actually went to my editor at Thomas and Mercer and I asked her if she would just read it to let me know if there was anything there. Uh, and so she read it. Gracie Doyle read it. And she loved it. And she said, you know, but it, it's really a book that should go to Lake Union as much as I hate to do that. And so we sent it off to Lake Union. And, uh, you know, I was nervous as heck because Danielle Marshall has a really – uh, has a reputation for being really tough. Uh, she doesn't, you know, she accepts doesn't accept a lot of books, and uh, and I didn't hear from her for about three weeks, and I thought she hated it, and uh, it turns out she was on um, she was on vacation, and the minute she got back, she called me immediately, and, and and she just it she loved it. She said the book really resonated with her, so you know there was a lot of questions about did I want to did I want to use my own name did I want to you know use a, a nom de plume you know did I want to what do I want to do? And I just said, you know what? I think the book needs to just stand on its own. And and I, I want to put it out there under my name. And, and if people like it, they like it. And if they don't, they don't. Um, and I, I've, been, uh, I've been very fortunate that people have liked it. Nice. An amazing book. That's a cool little uh, story, though, about getting published where the one editor was like, no, but you need to go over there. And then, bam, second she gets back and there's the phone call. So that's... So you kind of knew then that you had something special, right? You had I know. did. I mean, you know, getting you know getting some something like um, getting the Crimson Scribe Award from your from your magazine, you know that that's a validation for any writer. You know, it's it, it's somebody saying you know somebody that that doesn't have any stake in the game, somebody that that it you know doesn't doesn't uh, know you on a you know personal level or whatever, and they're they're reading your work and they're saying they're saying this this is good this this book really resonates with me. This is a, this is a really good book. And, you know, that, that's the kind of thing that um, really makes art wonderful is, is that, you know, two people can look at the same painting and not wait, walk away necessarily feeling the same thing, but hopefully feeling something. And so to have people respond to, to your work of art, to have them to respond to your book in such a personal way, um, is really validating for for any artist, and and it, and it was for me. Nice. So I mean, you say that you got another one in the works, and that this is something that you're going to do, but you're still going to be writing your other series, though. I mean, you're not going to be abandoning that one. I'm sure that that next book is is uh, is already in the works, also. Yeah. So I actually I actually have an espionage book coming out in oh. uh, April of 2019, and I'll, talk, I'll tell you a little bit about that, but the best thing I can tell yeah. you about that is I just received a really wonderful blurb from Martin Cruz Smith uh, of Garky, Gorky Park, who read oh, the book wow. and oh, okay. just abs- yeah, absolutely loved it, just absolutely loved it, just, just thought it was uh, a, tr- a tremendous espionage novel. And really what happened there is, is um, you know, I had a gentleman uh, emailing me, Telling me how much he liked my work and that he had a, he had this this story and the short of a long story is I met with this individual and um, he did have a very interesting story but it, I told him I said it's, it's not really um, it's not really what it, it's not really sexy um, I said but you know if 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 I can just run with it and set it in Russia I said then it becomes sexy and really what happened was. Um, I brought back Charles Jenkins from the David Sloan books. Uh, Charles Jenkins is a former CIA agent living on Camano Island in the state of Washington, and he gets dragged back into the CIA for, for reasons I won't delve into too deeply, but 
he gets dragged back into the CIA and he's, and he's given a task to, to get these four women who are left still alive out of Russia. And so he goes into Russia and he soon realizes that, is, that nothing was as it was represented to him and he's basically running for his life. Uh, so it's really a, it's really a, a, a good old-fashioned spy novel, espionage novel. And then when he gets back, finally makes it back to the United States, uh, he's got no he's got no agency. They don't they disown him. They say not, they say it never happened, and he gets tried for espionage, um, which is exactly what happened to this gentleman that that I met with. So it was just too good a story to pass up. And uh, and when I finished it, um, you know my agents who are always you know a little reserved in their praise, they were just over the moon for this book. So it's called The Eighth Sister, and it comes out in April. Uh, I am just finishing up um, a good, strong draft of the next Tracy book, and I'm working fast to try to to try to really get that book in shape. It's a it's a it's a book where Tracy goes back home to Cedar Grove, uh, and runs into a, a whole host of conspiracies uh, in her own hometown, um, and now she's a mother. So there's a whole another element to that book. Um, but I'm I'm working really fast, and 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 because I'm so excited, I just. You know, they want another sequel to The Ace Sister, but I also want to write my baseball book. So, you know, it's just uh, it's, it's a great problem to have when, when people are, are expressing an interest in reading your work. Well, I, I have to ask you, you've done a book that's, you know, compared to John Irving. You've done nonfiction. You've written courtroom mysteries. You're doing crime police procedurals. You're talking about baseball I, I was trying to figure out what is the Robert Dagoni brand, and I think I have an answer to that. But I want to see if you agree with me. Okay. Justice. Yeah, I, I think that's a, I think that's really true. I, I kind of grew up a kid that I, I didn't like it when when people got away with things they shouldn't get away with, when people you know um, you know took advantage of other people, that kind of thing. You know, I I like to tell people you know more than anything else. Um, I love to write. I mean, I just, I just, I love to write. You know, to be able to get up every day and do what I love to do is such a blessing, and it's, it's something that, that I, I give God thanks for every morning and, and every night, um, because I realize that, you know, I'm, I'm unique in, in a sense that so many people get up and have to go to a job that they don't want to do, and, and, and so I just love to write. I've always loved to write. When I was a kid, uh, I loved to write. I knew in the seventh grade I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to write novels. Um, and, I, and I pursued that passion. I pursued it through high school, writing for the school newspaper. Uh, I majored in creative writing at Stanford. I, I wrote for the Stanford Daily. I got out. I wrote for the L.A. Times. Um, I just really love stories. Uh, and so – you know, if, if at the end of the day I don't really have a, a uniquely defined brand like Jack Reacher uh, or something like that, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, I'm a huge fan of John Irving. I grew up reading John Irving. I grew up reading Pat Conroy. Um, I grew up reading Hemingway. Um, you know, I, I, love, I love all of their works. Um, I grew up reading Stephen Hunter and, uh, and all his series of, of stuff. I just love a good story. I love to see a character in peril. I love to see a character in suspense, not knowing what's going to have, happen next. You know, having to read the next page and the next page and the next page, because the story just builds and builds and builds. Um, I just have such tremendous respect for people that can can tell a good story. Um, that you know, to me, it, it's it's 
that that's what I do. That's what I love to do. I'm a huge Stephen King fan. You know, and King started out in horror, and then he turns around and writes The Green Mile. Um, you know, he just there, there's no there's no limitations on on what he can do, as long as it's just telling a good story. And you know, that's why your award meant so much to me because you know I know your 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 magazine focuses primarily on on suspense novels and thrillers and mysteries. Um, and Sam was a different kind of book. It certainly has a suspense element in it throughout, but it's a different kind of suspense. But it meant right. so much to me that that you recognized that that you recognized that suspense that you were sophisticated enough to say there isn't just one type of suspense novel. There are many types of suspense novels, and even though this is sort of a more of a literary genre, it has a suspense element to it that really works. And that's exactly. why the award meant so much to me. I mean, I tell people all the time, and they would always ask, and they say, oh, well, I don't know if I really write suspense. And I go, do you watch American Idol? And they're like, yeah. And I go, or some, you know, and they're like, well, yeah, I've seen it. I go, so the finale, is it suspenseful, wondering who won or not? That keeps you in suspense. You don't know yeah. who's going off every night. That's a suspenseful time. And like you said, there's different kinds of suspense. Sure, there's murder, there's kidnapping, there's jewelry thieves, but there's also emotional and there has to be emotion with suspense to make it an element of it because then you just don't know how the character is going to react and you're really wanting to know, and that makes you suspensed. Yeah. You know, somebody said to me one time, um, why do you think your Tracy Crosswhite novels took off in such a way that your David Sloan novels did not? Uh, and they said, you know, I really like the David Sloan novels. Are you going to write more of them? And, you know, it's because, and Jeff knows this very well, I was at a point in my life where I was losing the thing that I loved to do most. I was losing my ability to write. I was being told by a publisher that they didn't want to continue with the David Sloan series. Uh, they, and, and, and I was really in a dark place. I was in a, you know, I, luckily I was, I was with good friends who could kind of talk me off the ledge. But, you know, when your dreams are being taken away from you, that's a, that's a really difficult thing to go through. Um, and, you know, God love my agent, Meg Ruley. She just, she, she, she just said, she looked at me and she just said, write something else. Write a new series. Come up with a new character. And, you know, I had, I had two years in between where I wrote my, where I wrote my Sister's Grave, the, re, the book that really took off for me. And people ask me why they, I think that book is, has done so well. And it's really not, it's really not anything, anything more than the fact that I stopped writing with my brain and I started writing with my heart. And that's where the suspense in those books come in. They're em- yeah, it's emotional exactly. suspense. Because you care about Tracy Crosswhite, and you care about the people in Tracy's life, and she cares about the people in their life. And so, you know, when people read my books, it might not be who's behind the door with holding the, the axe. It might not be, you know, who's got the gun pointed on somebody's head. But the suspense is just as real, and the stakes are just as real. And, and, and that's what's really gratifying to me, is, is that people have, have, uh, have, you know, have found my books uh, and liked my books um, without a lot of the gimmicky type of stuff um, because they're just they're just, not, they're just not those kind of books. Well, you write about characters we care about, and that's that's awesome, honestly. Right. I appreciate it. Okay, Bob, you ready? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, this next segment literally just came to my head because I used to watch a show that used to be on VH1 Classic. I'm a huge metal guy. I love metal music. I love classic rock music. I love everything from the from the 70s to the 80s and some 90s. I love all of that stuff. And they had mm-hmm. a show called That Metal Show. I used to watch a lot. 
and they had a segment on there, and it was kind of like rapid fire. So I'm going to ask right. you questions, and you just think of the first kind of thing that kind of comes to your head, all right? Okay, I'll do my best. Okay. So <laughs> which book would, do you wish you would have written? The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna. Nice. Which author would you like to write with currently? Stephen King. Which character, any kind of character in history, would you like to have written a book in the series of? Um, the boy, uh, which character? Um, that's a hard, uh, you know what, Paul Edgecombe, The Green Mile. Ooh, I knew you were going to say that. He is he is he is such a well rounded character. I mean, you just you read that book and you just feel like you know that man. I mean, like he's going to come in your door and you know exactly who he is. Well, I remember reading that book because it came in six sections and one book a month, and I liked that. And Mm -hmm. then also John Saul did it with the Blackstone Chronicles the same exact way. And so I thought Ah. that was kind of a cool way to introduce the book when it first came out. That's how it was. That's how that's how yeah. it came out. Okay. Um, oh, what was the other question I had in my head? Um, baseball question. I know you're a Giants what? fan. So what I player am. on the Giants would you like to have played on that team? What year? And who who was the player? And what position would you want to play on that team? You know, I would have loved to have played with Willie Mays. I knew. I was, just, gonna, I, I was thinking that or my hobby. You're going to do one of the two. Yeah, Maze just trans. Maze is like DiMaggio. Maze is like Mantle. Maze is like Jackie Robinson. You know, Maze is like all those great players throughout history that just transcended greatness, and really was 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 above greatness. Um, I actually sat next to him in a movie theater when I was in the eighth grade, and he was wearing a leather, a, a blue leather suit, a blue leather pants, blue leather jacket. And what I remember most about him was when I shook his hand, his hand was so broad. His fingers were like sausages. They were, he just had these massive, strong hands. And, you know, you could see where he got his power from. And so I would have loved to have played uh, left field alongside Willie Mays and just admired the grace and the beauty of him as a player. Nice. Okay, last one. Or actually, I got two more, but this one. So, last one, or uh, this one is, what do you think is the most overused word in books today? Suddenly. You, you, so that you just people just use that way too much. You see that too much. Yeah, and and you don't need it. it I guess that's what what gets to me the most is it's redundant. You know, suddenly okay. he shut the door, as opposed to just saying he shut the door. You know, they use suddenly as a crutch to try to create tension, what we were talking about, to try to create some type of suspense. Suddenly Mm -hmm. the man walked into the house. Well, how do you suddenly walk into a house? You just walk into a house, you know? So that word is is one of my pet peeves. Gotcha. Okay, so the last one. Doesn't King say never use adverbs? 
you know what? I I I'm not a uh, I'm not a a, a big. Uh, uh, let me put it to you this way: You read Stephen King's books, and he he uses adverbs, but he, he uses does. he uses really descriptive adverbs, and he uses them in a way that makes the sentence better. So I mean, adverbs exist in, and adjectives exist in the um, in the in the uh, American literature and in literature in general. I mean, they exist. They were they were created for a reason, and, and I think uh, I think they've gotten a bum rap because people overuse adjectives uh, to try in, in place of good strong verbs. But boy, some some people, some writers are so good at using specific well crafted adjectives that it really brings their writing to life. Hmm. All right, and what's the best book you've read this year? Uh, Button Men by Andrew Gross. That book Ooh. is so freaking good. <laughs> nice. I, I love that book. I absolutely nice. devoured that thing, and I devoured it right after I read his book, uh, The the One Man. And I, I, I thought The One Man was outstanding, but I thought Button Men was even better. And here's the, here's the thing. It's in the acknowledgments. It's based on his grandfather's life, which makes it really amazing when you, if you've read the book, it makes it really amazing that this is this is based on a true story. Uh, I, I thought the book was fabulous. It really resonated. I have to say, since he started doing the historical stuff, oh my God, he's he's reached another level. He's he's terrific. I'm I'm reading um, I'm reading his other one. I think it's called The Saboteur. Yes, another and I great got, book. I've gotten, yeah, I've gotten delayed a little bit because uh, I'm I'm in the middle of writing my my next novel, but but uh, he's he's an excellent writer. He's he's a fantastic writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Bob, man, I got to tell you, we want to thank you so much for coming on and just spending a couple, uh, you know, thirty minutes with us. Well, thank you for having me, and and again, uh, John, to to you and and everybody at Suspense Magazine. Um, I can't understate how much that award means to me. Um, it, it really, it, it touched my heart and I, and I was really grateful. Um, it really, um, that book means a lot to me and that award means a lot to me. So thank you very much. Are you going to be at Thriller Fest in July? I will be there. I'll be teaching again. Well, we're going to be there too. So maybe we can uh, grab a drink or lunch or something and, uh, get together and talk for a little bit. Drinks are on me. So, uh, and also, Jeff and I are going to do video interviews. So, if you'd like to see if you can be involved in that, you know, just like five or seven little minute, you know, like 10 minute video interviews sure. that we're going to post on YouTube because we're going to get a channel, Suspense Magazine, and we're going to start putting a lot of our radio shows and try to do more video stuff. So, yeah, you know, expanding. Uh, yeah, I'd love to do, yeah, I'd love to do it. I'd love to do Thriller it. Festival Anytime. Festival. That'd be awesome. All right, Bob. Well, you have a good night, man, and take it easy, and we will talk with you soon. Anything. Thank you so much for the book, The Extraordinary Life of Sam Hell. If you haven't read it, then you're just a moron, you know, like a lot of people who voted <laughs> certain ways in this country. So go get the book. Um, Stop listening Bob, to thank us. You again, go read man. the book. Yes. Thank you. All right, take bye-bye. care, Bob. So, again, everybody, that is author Robert Dugoni, and the book is called The Extraordinary Life of Sam Hell. Hell. Sam Hell. I, you, you kind of want to say Hill in a second, but it's Sam Hell. Um, yes. Yeah, make sure you go out and get it. And, of course, you know, you want to make sure that you uh, check out all of, Bob's, um, all of Bob's work. Oh, shoot. You know what I totally forgot to do? 
Hold on. What? Well, I freak, we forgot to ask him his social media stuff. So you want to go to robertduganibooks.com. Uh, that's his website. So robertduganibooks.com is where you'll find everything out about all of his work. So make sure you visit that. Totally forgot to ask him that. Jesus, what the hell are we thinking? So uh, let's, take a look, let's take a quick short break here, Jeff, and then we're going to come back, and then we'll start talking about uh, our best stuff of 2018 and then just kind of wrap this year up, all right? So here we go. Sounds awesome.
So welcome back, everybody, here after the break. We want to thank you. We were talking to Bob a little off the air a little longer than maybe we should have, about three minutes longer, but that's <laughs> all right. You know, you listen to a little Sabotage, and if, you, if that music kind of sounds familiar, it should, because Sabotage and the, uh, the band who kind of did that is the same guys, uh, minus the great guitar player who um, died in a crash uh, in the early 90s, Chris Olivia, but they're the ones who do Trans-Siberian Orchestra. So if it makes a little sense, then it's the same thing. So, sorry to let you know. Little tidbit there. John Olivia. That's cool. That's the guy's name. Yeah, and his brother Chris Olivia, and he died uh, very young. Chris Olivia is a very underrated guitar player. So if you heard and listening to that music, you could sit there and say, yeah, I mean, that was Edge of Thorns was the name of that song by Sabotage, which is one of my favorite groups um, of the 80s and that kind of music, and that's what I was listening to. And Chris Olivia was just like one of those underrated guys that people don't remember. So I just want to shout it out, so. Who knows? I don't. I doubt if anyone ever listens to him that knows who he is. But that's all right. I feel better. <laughs> well, there you go. So, so let's talk about 2018. I mean, we can't believe. I mean, Thanksgiving is done. Everybody's got the Christmas lights up. We're all doing our shopping and looking at that. So, what better way to kind of sit there and say, well, I don't know what to get the reader in my life, or something like that, but to just sit here and you know talk a little bit about the stuff that you know we thought was good in 2018. So. What what do you got, Jeff? Uh, I'm sorry, would you repeat the question? What, you didn't hear me? I didn't hear you. I tuned you oh, out. Shit. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh. Oh, my God. Are you just messing with me? You really heard the question, right? No, I didn't. Oh, shit. Okay, <laughs> tell me, what is your best books of 2018? You can tell people. <laughs> That's what I, I – I am messing with you. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, so. Jesus Christ. I didn't know. Dude, I'm over here – you know, I'm doing my medicine right now. That's why I mute myself. Uh. And you're over here messing <laughs> with me? I need to put Pink Floyd on in the background. Oh. Oh, it's just another okay, brick in the wall. Got? Anyway. Oh, um, good, though. Yes. Yeah, so I have a top five, so it's okay, no cool. particular order. But um, – um, Bob mentioned one of them already. The Button Man by Andrew Gross was just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, Hellbent by Greg Hurwitz. Absolutely love that Orphan X series. Um, Skyjack by K.J. Howe. I just love the character that she's created. And that whole series is just amazing, and I can't wait for the next one. Uh, okay. Brad Meltzer's The Escape Artist was one of the best books uh, I've read oh, from him okay. in a long time. And uh, just absolutely amazing mix of history and suspense and just absolute – I learned so much from reading that book. It was amazing. And uh, for sheer escapism, the new Matthew Riley that's coming out next week is called The Three Secret Cities. And uh, holy crap, it is unbelievable. Nonstop action from page one. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, that's cool. So that's my top five. Now we're now, we're starting to get books also that are being published in 2019. So yes, can you give us a couple that you're excited about the people to read in 2019 that you might have already read and reviewed, but they won't be coming out until 2019. So maybe they could do a little pre-order on it that you can kind of let them know. Uh, yeah, um, Simon Gervais. He's got a new series that's starting in January, and he's being published with uh, Thomas and Mercer, and it's called Hunt Them Down. And that's and a, he's very, got a military very thriller. Good book. 
Um, no, it's kind of hard. Well, to he describe. was like Thin Red Line, and um, that he did, and or Thin. No, not was yeah. It, thin, it was Thin yeah, Thin Red Line, right? Not Thin mm-hmm. Black yeah. Line. Yeah. 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 He, yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll call it a military thriller, even though I didn't feel like it really yeah. was, but I, I like. Well, that. because that's what he because he was like he was like Canadian Secret Service, or he was something into that effect. I know he's Canadian, and I know yeah, he, he was, was a Mountie and, at some point too. Yeah. Yeah, he was like Secret Service of some kind too. So he that's kind of his world. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah, and uh looking forward to the new Greg Hurwitz, the next one in that Orphanix series as I mentioned before. And I'm a huge fan of Brad Parks and he's got a fun one called oh. The Last Act. That uh very nice. Great. Very nice. Yeah. Well, what I'm going to do since our issue is coming out here um probably around December 15th around that time. What I was going to do, mm-hmm. since we know that Bob Dugoni has now won the Crimson Scribe Award for 2018. Very deserving. That book is great. I'm going to give you one book from each category that we have as the best of 2018. <clears throat> so you can do that. So oh, cool. in our cozy category, one of the books in there is Hollywood Ending by Kelly Garrett. I don't know if you read that one or not. I've not read You're that not one. Really that You're not really much of a cozy. I like cozies. Oh, okay. Yeah, but yeah. I, I know you don't talk. You, 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 we don't talk so much about those. It's more about the thrillers and the stuff that than anything else. So. Right. Now, in debut, here's one that I think you've known. This is a really good one too. The seven and a half deaths of Evelyn or Evelyn Hardcastle. And Who that wrote is that by one? Stuart Torton. Okay. Oh yeah, that's a really good one. You should you should check that one out if you haven't read it, man. Um, okay. Romantic suspense: A dangerous game by Heather Graham. Got to shout out to Heather there, of course. Nice. In the horror category, uh, well, we were just talking about him, so we might as well say it: The Outsider by Stephen King. He was in that one. Nice. Dark urban fantasy paranormal category. We have. Serpentine by Laurel K. Hamilton, who I interviewed um, for the show here when I was sitting in the form parking lot of the Hall & Oates concert, ready to go in. Laurel and I had a nice, like, 40-minute conversation in the car, <laughs> and, I, and that's how we used and played on the air. So um, if you ever, ever, we, if, we can, if I could ever get her on the show, and she's kind of nocturnal, so she lives in St. Louis, so she's not, she's only two-hour difference, but if we could ever get her on from Beyond the Cover, dude, you would love her. Well, um, I interviewed her, uh, but it when? was for my Star Trek book. I interviewed her for my Star Trek oh, book. Oh, that's right. Her, her very first book was Star Trek. That's right. Yeah. She thought it was hysterical that I didn't want to talk about anything but Star Trek with her. <laughs> yeah. Well, and how long ago was that? Uh, ten years. Yeah. Is it? But she's great. Yeah. She's a great interview. She's a great interview. Oh, yeah. So... So she's in there for dark urban fantasy. Uh, now, historical category. Which one should I pick? Let's go. This one, I'm, I'm really hoping that I get a response back from, from this author. It's Lincoln's Last Trial, the murder case that propelled him to the presidency. And it's written by David Fisher, but it's also written by Dan Abrams. Do you know who Dan Abrams is? I don't. I've, I know David Fisher. Do you ever watch that show Live PD? I don't. Okay, well, Live PD is on, and it's on Friday and Saturday nights, and it's on um, 
A and E. I think it's on A and E. And so what it is? So it's like real life cops. Well, Dan Abrams is the host of that show. Okay, that's cool. So yeah, he's that. And so I love that show. I love watching that show. But he's also done a bunch of other stuff. Um, but yeah, that's I know him right now from that. Um, in the YA category, we got Aftermath by Kelly Armstrong. Kelly Armstrong is a past Crimson Scribe Award winner uh, a couple years ago. Yeah. Did you read that one? I did not, but I've heard it's good. Okay. Anthology. Anthology, we have one here. Let's see. Oh, another um, author that we interviewed here, Brief Cases by Jim Butcher. He won. Hey. So he's in that one, yeah. yeah. True Crime. True Crime is a hard, is getting a little harder and harder, i got to say, to do. Um, but we will go with, and they're always so long titles, too. Um, I'll be gone in, gone in the dark. One woman's obsessive search for the Golden State Killer by Michelle McLamara, and introduction by Gillian Flynn, and an afterword by Patton Oswalt. So hopefully we'll be able to get um, Patton to say something about the book. That'd be cool. Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah. Big fan of his. Um, now, in the Thriller suspense category. This is the bigger category, so I'm going to give you a couple books here because this is like double all the other ones. So one of my favorite books of the year, and my book made the list, was The Cutting Edge by Jeffrey Deaver. Um, mm-hmm. So that one was on there. And then the other one that I got on there, uh, which was another one of my favorite by one of my favorite, one of my best friends too, really good friend of both of ours, Every Wicked Man by Stephen James, the Bowers one. So, um, oh yeah, those two are on there. Yeah. So. He also has so a show good. on uh, your network. Yeah, the Story Blender. That's right. That's right. right. And we have some honorable mentions that, of course, we'll send out. We got one, two, three, four, five honorable mentions. A couple of them have been guests on this show, so that will be interesting. You can read that one. Um, so one of the honorable mentions, I'll just let you know, is Skyjack by K.J. Howe. Oh, I so mentioned she's one of my favorites of the year, yeah. Yeah, so she got honorable mention uh, as one of the best of so yeah. Um so, yeah, so that's what we got going on. For 2019, there's so many books I have. I really don't know what I've read that's coming out in 2019. I don't keep track. Shannon does that for me. So I really don't tell you what's coming up. But um, what movies – oh, uh, what movies do you think people uh, – like DVDs? Which ones were you uh, – which ones do you like the most of 2018? Well, I, I have to say the most fun I've had in a theater this year was Mission Impossible Fallout. God, I, I haven't seen just, it yet. Oh. oh, man. It was so much fun. Oh. Was it? Yeah, in fact, the minute that I left the theater, I went and pre-ordered it on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Do you, now do, you, do you buy the DVD or do you just do the download? I buy the Blu-ray, and it's got the digital copy with it, too. Oh, okay. Okay. So you got you got the hard copy and the digital copy then. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, that way, I yeah. I do that for movies that I really want. Like I've done that with like Solo and like Rogue One and you know like the Star Wars movies. You know, I have all them on DVD, Blu-ray, and I have them all digitally. So you know, I was actually because my wife hates this, but I still do it because I I drive on the 405 and everybody knows the 405 freeway. I mean that's. 405 Freeway is synonymous. I mean, it was Carmageddon a couple of years ago. I mean, 405 Freeway is the busiest freeway in the United States. It's tremendously packed, and I have to drive it every day. 
to and from work. So I'm sitting in traffic, and today it took me two hours and about two hours and 20 minutes to get to work. I left my house about 6:30, got on the road about 6:40. I got to work right about nine. So I'm a lot of and time. And how long? Go. How many miles is it? And how long should it take? Thirty. It's 33 miles, and if there's no traffic, I can get there in about 35 minutes. Okay. Okay, so that gives you a hint. Good grief. And yeah. So, so what I do, and Shannon hates when I do this, but I have the iPhone X, and it's crystal clear display. And in California, you're not allowed to touch your phone in your car. Your phone cannot be in your hand, on your person at all. It has to be attached to something like on the dash or, you know, the windshield, you know, those, those um, attachments. So mine fits in the CD player, and that's where I put my phone. And, you know, I plug it in, and I use the USB so I can play Spotify or whatever I want to do. And, but if I turn it sideways, I was on the way home today, and I was watching Solo. And, you know, the sound just comes through the speakers in the car, but I can actually, like, watch the movie on my cell phone as I am driving because I only go, like, two miles an hour. I mean, I'm not going very fast. <laughs> so I was watching wow. Solo on the way home. <laughs> You know, it's a good movie. It's, it was a really good movie. You know, I thought it was yeah, a good movie. Yeah, I think it got a bum rap. A lot of people I think it did too. sort of were negative about it before it actually came out. Yeah. Um, I mean, God, we saw you – know, I've seen a lot of movies, I think, this year. Um, God, I mean, of course, you know, The Avengers I thought was a good one. Um, what else? Was Murder on the Orient Express this year or was that last year? I yes. think it was this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a good one. You know, that was a good rendition. Have you seen all three of them now? I've just, I still have not seen the brown four. one, but I'm going this to This is the see. fourth one. My fault. Huh? Oh, okay. I, I've, I've only seen the one from the early 70s. With uh, Alan Fennis in it, or was his last name Fennis? The guy with shorter guys? Albert back Finney. Here. Albert Fenny. Okay, so you saw that yeah. one. Yes. Okay. Okay, I, the David, that one is my least favorite. David Sauquette. The one that did it on Perot on the TV show is my favorite. Okay. But this is my second favorite. Yeah, I'm looking Johnny forward Depp to watching it. Huh? I'm looking forward to seeing it, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I thought Johnny Depp did good playing the role that he is. I mean, he's the guy who gets killed. Um, and I thought he did good I thought he did good in that one. And this, it actually, yeah, this is only the third rendition of Murder, she wrote, because Peter Ustoff, who did Death on the Nile and... Appointment with death. He never did a murder on the Orient Express. He, he never did one. So he was the other guy to play Perot. Um, yeah, okay. I know way too much about Perot on the movies too because I've seen them all. I saw I've seen all the Perot <laughs> episodes like as many times as the Murder She Wrote episodes. Um, so yeah, um, I thought that was a good movie. Um, I thought the Grenwald one was a pretty good movie. Just the last Harry Potter one. I thought that was decent. I know that that um, won't be out for you know, but. Yeah, I, I saw it. Uh, I thought I had a fun time, but at the same time, I was disappointed in it because I felt like they were trying to shove too much into it. Okay. So there, there was times where, like, wait a minute, I feel like I need to pull out a notepad and figure out what's going on. True, true. And that sort of took yeah. away the enjoyment. The, you know, I think there was a little bit too much Harry Potter in it for me at times. Um. Because the last movie was a lot less Harry Potter, so it felt like a totally different movie, where this one just felt like 
a prequel to Harry Potter. I like the world that she has created, and I enjoy some of the characters from this prequel. Mm-hmm. But I have to say, the villain is the le- is the person I I don't I don't care anything about the villain at all. But I like the other people. I feel like the villain isn't as strong as it could be either, and I don't know if it's because Johnny Depp is, you know, um, phoning it in or what. But we'll see. <laughs> Maybe with the next. Well, one, you I'll know, I mean, I agree. Voldemort was a much more ruthless, scary kind of. I, I, and, you know, kind of person. Now, for those who have not seen the movie, there is a scene at the beginning, and I know you're going to know what this is. I'm not going to give it away oh, okay. with anybody, but there's oh, a scene at the beginning where I think this is where they try to make him ruthless, but it just doesn't work. Because someone else does it. Right. Exactly. exactly. Yep. So you know exactly the scene I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so and I agree because – he wasn't the one to do it. Mm-hmm. So it didn't work for me. It was kind of like, the, you know, it's, it's kind of like in the Star Wars what they're doing. They're trying to make Kylo Ren like Darth Vader instead of just don't do that. Kind of make him their, you know, their own. Like, you know, you don't have to make him as another Darth Vader. I mean, that's how it is. So, but them trying to make Grinwald like Voldemort did not work. It did not, it does not work for me at all. I agree with you. Yeah, cool. Okay. Yeah. So that, that's if you're interested at all, who, those who's listening, it's definitely still worth seeing, just because of the world she's created. So cool. It is, and there's a hey, there's a lot of cool Harry Potter Easter eggs in there. Like you see the Sorcerer's Stone in there. Um, yep. You know, you see some other little Easter eggs, and people, of course, are in the movie, like McGonagall, and you know, Dumbledore's in there. I mean, I'm not giving it away because you can go on IMDb and see what characters are in the movie. Um, you know, so, you know, Dumbledore's in there. And there's, so there's a lot. There's, you know, there's a lot of reference. And there's a lot of things that you're going to recognize from Harry Potter. And, that's the, and that kind of gives you the comforting thing to sit there and go, oh, this is kind of the world that now I remember from the movies. I just wish it was a little more stand lowish, But it was like they're really they, – it, put it this way. From Fantastic Beasts to Grinwald, they do not feel like a movie in a series to me. Um, yeah, actually, I would agree with that. There was nothing yeah. at the end of Fantastic Beasts, really, that made you think that this was going to lead into... I mean, I know that Johnny Depp was there as that character, but he, but it, there wasn't enough known about him to really think that this is what it was going to be in this movie. They just don't feel connected. I would agree with that. Yeah. But again... I do think it is worth going to, especially because it is still fun. And, you know, so. Um, oh, yeah. Absolutely. But, yeah. So, what uh You got any movies or anything? Well, I was going to say, if you're, if uh, our listeners are into animated stuff, the new Disney uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet is a lot of fun. It's very clever. It does an amazing job showing people a visual world of the Internet. And there's a lot of wonderful in jokes and they poke fun at themselves which I also appreciated and I thought the uh the funniest stuff is actually in the end credits so go go see it and then watch and stay through the end wasn't there a lot of 80s references in this thing there's some yes 
Okay. Maybe that's one of the, some of the stuff I see in the trailer. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a funny bit involving the fact that there's a great scene in the trailer that's not in the film, and they uh-huh. actually, they actually, sort of uh, tell you about that Mitch. in the end credits. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, it, it's very well done. Well, I got an animated one for you then. I guess we'll go animated. Um, Batman, Gotham by Gaslight. One of my oh, I didn't know about this one. One of my favorite Batman graphic novels of all time. What it is is that this is, um, it's Batman versus Jack the Ripper, but it's Jack the Ripper who's doing the things in Victorian Gotham, not in Victorian London. So it's not like he did everything in London and it's over in Gotham. No, he's doing it in Gotham. Oh, I got you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like London never happened. Like, that never happened. So, so it's, but it's Victorian Gotham. So you're not going to see Batman with a lot of flying shit because there was no airplanes. Okay. You no, know, I don't think you know. There's no Batmobile because there's no cars. They had horses. <clears throat> so uh, it's bat Batman horse? said no, in that time, huh? A bat horse. <laughs> yeah. So it's Batman said in that time. So it's kind of okay. cool to kind of see. Oh, how would Batman affair back in that time when he couldn't have all some of the doodads because that stuff, that technology wasn't even thought of. I mean. Not so much of being invented wasn't even thought of. Oh, that, that, that's always fun when you take characters and uh, put them in situations like that. Yeah, and they can't yeah, rely on what they usually can. So that's a good movie. So I like that one. So cool. I recommend that yeah. one. So, all right, dude, you want to wrap it for 2018? And we'll come back in 2019 and... Uh, do it up. I, I, th- I think that rapid fire stuff really worked good. And I think we just have to hone it in a little bit better, and maybe we'll get the questions and we'll just alternate them back and forth or whatever, and we'll do that. That'll be kind of cool, and we'll get some questions thrown in on people. It was nice having you do that with Bob because I've seen him moderate panels, and he will do that with his panelists. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> so it was nice oh, good. So it was good to him. turn the table. You should have said something exactly. to him like, "Aha! See, Carmen's a bitch, bro. Carmen's a bitch, Bob. Coming back to get you." <laughs> All right, man. Good. Thank you. Hey, well, you have a good one, and I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving, and I hope you guys have a great Christmas. Um, and can't wait for we finally get to see each other, like, in July. You know, Shannon's excited to see you, too, so that will be good. And then I think we got, a, a, yeah, we got a lot of good things going on. We're going to have some good lunches because we're definitely going to have a lot of people we're going to be talking to that we haven't seen in a while. So that will be good. Oh yeah, I'm l- I'm definitely looking forward to it, and uh, and I do have happy, some emails happy New Year and all. out to, and I got some emails out to some screenwriters. So hopefully in 2019 we'll be able to get more screenwriters on here to talk about shows and movies and things like that. So oh, that'd be awesome. That one, yeah. So that'd be cool. Yeah. All right, man. Definitely. It's always a pleasure. We'll see you guys soon. Until next year, you got a lot of lot of catching up to do to read. So keep reading. See y'all next year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.